Recorded live. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Scamlin, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And as you know, this is one of my favorite times of the year because it's 25 under 25 season. Every year, we honor 25 companies with fewer than 25 employees here in the Kansas City area, and we interview them right here on this podcast. And that's the case today. We have one of our winning companies and one of the founders of that company, Michael Fry, who is a co-founder of Brown Button Estate Sales Services here today. Welcome to the show today, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so Brown Button Estate Sales. Why did you start an estate sale company and, and what does an estate sale company do? You know, a state sale company is kind of a weird industry. It's it's not something that people have a lot of familiarity with. Uh, what we do is we, we go into people's homes, we turn their home into a store, and we sell all of their personal property. It usually occurs okay. when a family's in some kind of life transition. Maybe they're downsizing. Maybe they've just lost a loved one. Uh, but it's usually a significant life transition, and, and selling their personal property and, and providing funds for that transition is usually important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, why did you decide to start one? Did you have experience um, in some way with this industry, or did you just decide that this would be um, a ripe industry to go into? You know, that's a great question. It it really came out of a bad experience attending a, a sale. I had really? recently sold the business and uh, was looking for a new direction. And just as a family, we're at an estate sale just for fun, and it was a really poor experience, unfortunately. There was bad customer service. It was an unclean environment. And I was surprised to find that the company had been in business for 20 years. My. And as we looked around the industry, we found that that's, that's kind of more normal than not. I mean, there's plenty of quality companies, but the majority of companies in our industry don't run it like a business. It's, it's kind of just a, a hip pocket glorified garage sale. And and we find that they don't follow basic business practices. So we saw a real opportunity in Kansas City to come in to do some things differently and um, and find success. So what are some of those different things that you do? Yeah, we were really surprised when we got started to see very little use of technology. Um, and so one of the things we did right away was was heavily integrate social media. So that's of course Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest, uh, but then we also um, were the first company in Kansas City to take a swipeable credit card, mm-hmm. and then uh, we also had just a very, very strong focus on uh, customer service, um, customer service in a way that you don't see with a, you know, just a little hip pocket garage sale. We, we staff movers at our sales, and so as our shoppers purchase items, we handle loading it out. Um, and we just go above and beyond in every way to serve our customers. And that's that's really what's drawn our customer base to us and sort of created our tribe, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, just because they know that when they attend our sales, they're going to be well taken care of by our team. The other thing about uh, experience, the, your bad experience, is that you, you saw an opening and you thought, okay, this is this is the next company. You'd already sold a company, but this is the next company. This is the next direction I'm going to go. Did you start right away, or did you, with having no background in the industry, did you have to go through a learning curve yourself? How did you get the experience? 
I was so blessed to find a mentor uh, in the estate sale industry. We found a lady through a church connection who had done estate sales for some 20 plus years. And she, she had moved on and, and at that time was strictly doing insurance appraisals. Mm-hmm. And so she sat down with us for a whole afternoon and, and we wrote hours of notes, uh, just do's and don'ts and things to think about. Uh, we attended numerous sales in Kansas City and took notes at each one. And then we just jumped in. Our very mm-hmm. first estate sale was <laughs> pretty much a garage sale, and it grossed $4,500. Uh, well, you know, a start. Yeah. It's a start. It's a start. But, you know, for the hours we put into mm-hmm. it, uh, we, did, we did come out, you know, uh, we did come out with a loss. But you have to start somewhere. So we started small. Uh, that first year was a bit of a struggle. I mean, we were getting our feet under us. We were providing this high-level staging and high-level customer service, which cost money, but we were doing very small sales. And so it really was um, a steep learning curve, uh, lots and lots of hours early on, and frankly, it wasn't very profitable. As we were able to get our name out there and acquire higher-end sales, um, you know, that began to change. Uh, So at this point, our company conducts luxury estate sales across Kansas City. Uh, The average sale that we host for our clients is forty thousand dollars, and we've done numerous sales over a hundred thousand. What do you think was the turning point? It sounds like you had a lot of tenacity. That um, I'm making an assumption here, but you may have had your doubts. But it doesn't sound like you were. It ever occurred to you to throw the towel in. So, what was the turning point finally? Yeah, I will tell you. We we did actually consider at one point. It was about eighteen months after. Yeah, 18 months after starting, um, we, had, we had done a sale. We had lost money. We weren't sure that this was a profitable industry. We weren't sure we could be profitable in a significant way in the estate mm-hmm. sale industry. And we actually acquired a sale in the Hallbrook neighborhood of Leewood. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a home for two heart surgeons. The house was on the market for $2.5 million. And uh, we successfully uh, – did an $85,000 estate sale for them. And wow. so for us, it was a realization that, you know, you can do significant work and have a highly profitable sale. And so, that, you know, that was a bit of a turning point and just realizing that to serve our clients the way that we did, to provide all of these extra services, we had to seek out high, high-end sales and perform luxury sales. And so that's the direction we moved in. Uh, so. That was about two years in. That was a big turning point for us and really have seen significant growth since then. Um, last year, year over year, we had about 90% growth. Yeah, that is great. That is great. And then basically that niche, the idea to really focus on that one corner of the market and then get the word out and get the referrals is really what um, turned the company around. And and you often hear that, focus, focus, focus. And so you guys found your niche. How has being purposeful in other areas of the business? You very purposefully uh, moved into the the niche that you did. But I know that company culture, your own company culture, is also very important, and you have very purposeful about developing that as well. How tell us first about your company culture and then how that's affected the growth of your business. 
Yeah, uh, early on, we read a book by Dave Ramsey called Entree Leadership, which I highly recommend. That's one of the things he talked about in this book. If you look at employee surveys, you'll see that a positive work environment and appreciation in the workplace are often equally as important to employees as their paycheck. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of a radical idea if you think about it. it. And so much of those things aren't tremendously expensive to incorporate into your business. And so from the very beginning, we set to build a company culture in which our team thrives, in which they feel safe to be themselves at work. So, you know, from, from little things like we have a no gossip policy at work. Um, honor is a very important component of our business. So that, that goes from team member to team member. It also goes from uh, team member to, to the customers who shop our sales. Um, compassion is, is very important to us. We're, we're dealing with families and major life transitions and understanding that and caring for them in the midst of those transitions is very important. So just from the beginning, we said, this is going to be good soil for our team. If we're going to have to show up for work every day, let's make it a really great place to work. And, and we found that to be true, that um, I have a young lady on our team. She worked for a retailer here in town. It was a, it was a very toxic environment. Um, our entry-level positions only have so much that they can pay, and she made more at this other job and worked for me part-time. And at some point she said, look, I'm, I'm going to quit this other job, and I want to come work for you full-time. And I told her, look, I can't match the pay you were getting over there. And she said, that doesn't matter. I, I would rather work here because it's good. And so she took a $3 an hour pay cut to come wow. work for me full-time. That just speaks volumes. But as you say, you know, you want to get up and look forward to going to work every morning. And that's where we spend so many hours of our, you know, of our waking hours, that it, it should be a good place. And you have, what, 14, 15 employees now? You know, we, we brought on two at the beginning of the year. So with, uh, with our owners, we're at 17 at this point. 17? Okay. Because uh, I, I know that you have been growing and uh, you're, you're and you're still under 25, so it's great that you know, you're <laughs> able to win there. the award. It's always it's always very um, happy f- for us when we find out that a company has grown past 25 co- uh, employees that we have honored, be- and they're no longer eligible for the award. You've got a few to go, but you're on your way. Right. You're on your way okay. there. Um, talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that come with running an estate businesses business all businesses have challenges obviously but i'm sure that given your industry there have to be some unique ones you know there are we're we're a retail store that picks up and moves to a new location every single week and at that new location we have completely new inventory so that you know that poses some unique challenges uh part of the job of our pricing team is to price anything uh, ever made by man or God ever. And wow. so, you know, the the gamut of things that we've come across is pretty wide. In a home, we'll price anything from, you know, their kitchen Tupperware to their, um, you know, late model Lexus. And so uh, there's some unique challenges, and it's it's all about creating systems and proper training to make sure that we're taking those challenges head on and overcoming them. Yeah, it must be it must be um, quite an experience to inventory, essentially his life. I, I know I've it attended is. some estate sales myself, and you just mentioned the Tupperware, and you'll go into a kitchen and you'll pick up a colander or you'll pick up some nice ceramic bowl. 
that is obviously very old, and you just wonder how many, you know, family holidays was this used for, and, uh, you know, you just, it just must be kind of a strange feeling to do that. You know, I, it's a real honor for Kansas City families to let us into their home and, and essentially handle their lives, handle their memories. And so for us, what's very important is that we maintain the dignity of their family and their lives. Their friends and their family members will often attend their sales. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we meticulously stage their home, if we organize it, um, it there's dignity there for the family. Uh, the way that you do your sale impacts kind of what people think about as they walk through their yeah. home. And so, again, it's, it's, a, it's an honor when families trust us with that, and it's very important the way we do that so that that dignity is maintained. Absolutely. What are some of the, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, I don't like the word unique particularly, but uh, what are some of the more unique types of things that you have sold in the sales that you've run? some of the items that are a little different. Yeah, with doing, you know, hundreds of sales across Kansas City, we certainly have found some unique items. Uh, Let's see, at one time we priced a mastodon bone, and uh, I was surprised that that wasn't as valuable as you might think. I think it was under Mm $1,000. This last year we handled two original Thomas Hart Benton paintings, so that was pretty fun with the the local connection here in Kansas City. Right. one of the things that was a little more frightening, or, or at least when we first opened the trunk, was uh, woven woven hair art. Really, uh, this was a big thing, you know, several hundred years ago. You have a you have a loved one, maybe they pass away, and you cut some of their hair and make art out of it. And sometimes you open a trunk with woven hair art, and it looks like a rat. So, oh. <laughs> uh, and then I can I, only imagine. <laughs> One other pretty unique one was uh, we found a slice of wedding cake from the late 1800s. Really? So, uh, no one, no one tried it. Oddly enough. No. <laughs> it had to have been pretty uh, uh, solid. I mean, even more yeah. solid than usual. Kind of like rock solid by that time. <laughs> it, it was a bit of a fossil for sure. So yeah, we really <laughs> have covered unique items across the gamut. You know, normal everyday household and furniture and those kind of things. But every once in a while, something very unusual does pop up. Do you handle uh, things like pets? Or I'm just thinking of, I thought you were going to say when you opened the trunk that you found uh, an aquarium with snakes in it or something. Do you ever, (laughs) do you you handle those kinds of things? Or are those? You know, there there certainly are some categories that we don't sell on behalf of our clients. and, And pets would be one of them. Um, yeah, we'll just leave that to the family members to take care of prior to us getting involved. But certainly any any household personal property would fall under our venue. Sure. Now, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit earlier when you were uh, talking about your employee count, you mentioned that uh, the partners, you, this is a family business. You have a partner, uh, James Fry, and he's your brother, and then both of your wives are involved. How does that dynamic work? I mean, speaking of the colander at the holidays or the bowl at right. the holidays, you guys all have to spend your, your holidays together in addition to all your work time. How do, you, how do you manage that? Well, first of all, I don't recommend partnerships to most people, and I especially don't recommend partnerships with families. I just think there's a lot of unique challenges it creates. Um, for James and I, uh, we, we are best friends first. 
Um, our relationship as a family comes first. And there have been times where we've had disagreements at business where, where we, we set them aside and say, our relationship is more important than our success in this business. And I think that's why it's worked. Uh, James and I each have different and very unique skill sets. And it's the mix of those two together that um, allow us to be successful. I deal with mm-hmm. the client side, and I'm more people-oriented. Uh, James is very long-term strategy-oriented. And then both of our wives have been integral from the beginning. Um, you know, the very first couple sales, it was it was just the four of us, and maybe we'd have a person or two show up to help run a cashier Um uh, so James's wife at this point is uh, still very involved with long-term strategy. We both have kids at home now, so that's changed some of the dynamics. Um, of course. But, you know, they're still very involved in kind of the long-term direction. And actually, James's wife, Rochelle, is in the process of uh, getting her gemology degree. Just as mm-hmm. we continue to get large sales and high-end jewelry collections, we want to be able to handle those in a qualified manner. So yeah, it's you know it is a it is a different environment working with family, but one that's been very very positive for us. And again, I think it comes back to the fact that our relationship as a family is more important than any success we find in the business. And yes, and you yes, and you respect the boundaries and and the expertise that each of you have as well, which is critically important too. Let's go back to the whole reason you founded this estate sale company, Brown Button Estate Sales Services, it was because you had a bad experience. You wanted to go out and create something in the create a, a an option alternative in the marketplace where um, families who are going through this life transition can have a better option. You took that one step further, uh, not did you found a company, you helped to co-found a National Estate Sales Association. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, education has been very important to us from the from the very beginning of starting this company. Um, you know, after we found a little bit of success, we were invited to speak at the National Estate Sale Conference, and we did that two years in a row, uh, one year about integrating social media, and the second year about running luxury estate sales. And and out of that, um, kind of a group of highly qualified companies came together and said, look, there are so many issues in this industry. If something isn't changed, then there's going to be long-term problems, either either through legislation or, or some kind of direction mm-hmm. that's going to affect our industry. And um, I think one of the unique things about our industry, estate sales, is that so many people fall into it as opposed to other businesses where there's a lot of education behind it and maybe a degree, what happens with estate sales is that someone does their aunt's estate sale and then their grandma's and then some a friend asks them to do one and it just sort of snowballs. And mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of find themselves in it without really planning to. Sure. It's kind of an accidental entrepreneurship, if you will. If, yeah, exactly. And so because of that, many of those who run estate sales don't have a business background, and maybe they don't incorporate some basic business practices. Uh, something that we see very commonly is misclassification of employees. They'll have employees that show up every day at their workplace where they tell them to work, they'll wear their uniform, but then they'll be considered 1099 subcontractors. And Right. You know, and there's – I can – many, many examples like that where 
estate sale companies, maybe more than most other industries, are kind of skirting what's proper or not using best business practices. So again, out of the conference situation, we got together with 10 other companies. They're from all around the country. And we said, you know, this industry needs education. This industry needs sort of some best practices. And most importantly, this industry needs a set of ethical standards. And so we spent about two years getting together um, and then numerous phone conferences. We, we wrote up a code of ethics. Actually, I was spearheading that direction. And we said, let's put a set of standards in place that all companies can aspire to and, and really call companies up, call companies who are not operating with best business practices, give them the tools to change their companies. And that and that has started to raise the industry standards. Uh, do you have, are you finding that more and more of the companies are seeking you out as you get, as the word gets around about this new organization that you've created and that you're starting to have an impact on the industry? You know, it is, uh, building a national association is harder work than I thought. Uh, so it is officially launched at the end of this last year. And yes, we, we are building steam. Uh, we are doing town hall meetings in cities across the country, just where we're gathering groups of estate sale companies and talking through some of those challenges. And yes, we have found that we're starting to impact the industry. Uh, we're very excited about the future and, and what the national estate sale association will, uh, will do. Well, it's great work that you're doing. And talking about the future, what, what does the future hold for your own company, for Brown Estate Sales Services? You know, we've been very uh, blessed and excited about the success we've seen in Kansas City. Uh, this last year, we turned away more business than we accepted, just, just because of our capacity, just because we only have 17 team members. So we'd right. certainly like to continue our growth path in Kansas City, but you know, we're, we are looking at other markets. We believe that there's an opportunity for us to go out to expand in other cities. One of the things that we found in Kansas City is that when we started doing sort of the high level of service that we do, we saw a change across Kansas City. We saw other companies emulate some of those aspects. And <laughs> maybe I'm biased, but I feel that through our influence in Kansas City, the Kansas City estate sale market got better. And mm -hmm. um, we do want to go to other markets and, and certainly be profitable there, but we, we also hope to see that same sort of impact as well. Absolutely. And, you know, as they say, imitation is the best form of flattery, and it yeah. sounds like you're doing some things right if others are starting to implement some of the best practices that you already um, put out there. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. And if someone would like to find out more about Brown Button Estate Sales Services, how would they do that? best thing to do is to go to our website, which is at uh, brownbutton.com. And then also we run a, an estate sale somewhere in Kansas City every single weekend. And so jump on the website, find out where the local sale is, and come out and say hi. Yes, and you'll be there, and, and they can meet you in person. Uh, congratulations again on winning the 25 Under 25 Award this year. We're Excited to celebrate with you on March 4th at the big gala down at the Marriott. And for any others who would like to come out and celebrate with us, you can get tickets at 25under25.com. Those are numerals, 25under25.com. And they are on sale to join us on March the 4th. But congratulations once again. Really uh, looking forward to working with you some more.
Thank you so much, Kelly, and really appreciate you having me on the show today. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Great weekend. We'll see you next week.